0: Here we go, season seven. All aboard. If you missed it, here's what we believe: 66 book canon. We believe in a 66 book canon. There is no more, there is no less. It's 66 books.
1: That Yeshua, who is preached by the apostles in the gospels and in the epistles, is the only means of salvation. As we're calling Yeshua means.
0: In other words, justification is by faith alone and not by works that any man should boast. Faith working through love. We are unashamedly Trinitarian. We're also unashamedly uh, believe in the doctrines of grace, what is commonly referred to as Calvinistic.
1: The the New Covenant is not time-bound. That is to say that the the horizon of the faith of our father abraham is no different right. no no it is not shy of the horizon of our hope and our faith
0: in other words the, that salvation faith. was salvation was the same for abraham as it is for us right It is Wednesday, July 22nd. This is Messiah Matters. Oh man, I'm getting an echo. Hmm. What are we, 307? I think that is right. What up, Rob? How's it going, man? Are you still getting an echo? I am. Let me figure out. not hearing an echo. I'm Rob Vanoff. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I know what's going on. Hang on. Hang on. My intro was so good and I ruined it. Okay. I got it. Sorry about that. How's it going, everybody? Why are you off to the side? Man, th- we're just having all sorts of problems today, aren't we? What? What what is going on? Um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna bring you oops, wrong one. Bring you over here. Book up up, book up, book up. What's going on, right. man? There you go. There you go. All right. Now that we got all of our technical issues, hi everybody. <laughs> hi everybody out there in YouTube land. Um, it's been a week. <clears throat> it has. It's been two weeks technically. Last week we were uh, we were off because Rob was flying into New Jersey for the IF or no IMC. That was going to be my intro. You ready for this? I was going to yeah, say. I was going to say back from the IMC where we met people from the IFB. And the W C G. Let's talk about it and have some F U N. Yeah.
1: I can't keep up with all those acronyms. My brain just doesn't know them very well.
0: Okay. So we went to the Independent Messianic Conference, talked to a in lot of great people.
1: Joycey are in New Jersey.
0: New Jersey. It was awesome. It was a it good was. time. And uh yeah. And uh yeah, Rob spoke a lot. That was basically...
1: People are like, shut that guy up.
0: That, I mean, Rob had four sessions, and then we had a Messiah Matters, which is still not up, by the way, and it will be up by the end of the day, hopefully, for our... And if it's not up today, it'll be up tomorrow for our uh, for our Messiah Matters, more people. And And the reason it's not up is because it has just been a whirlwind. When we were there, there was no time to do anything. And, um, when we got back yesterday, it was, again, it was just, I mean, it was nuts trying to get everything going and uh, trying to get, I, I had, I don't know, like 200 gigs of, uh, of video and audio that I had to transfer and whatnot. So it's, I mean, it's been a, it's been a thing anyway. Okay. Um, well let's talk about it. We met some, so it's always really encouraging when we meet people who say that they have learned about Torah Resource or um, have come to Torah because they were listening to us in one one way, shape, or form. That's always super encouraging. Uh, we met, uh, let's see here, Ron. Ron is actually part of the. Uh, he's part of a independent independent fundamentalist Baptist church. And uh, oh, so th- that was
1: the IFB.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, so it was super nice meeting him because I just did a video on Growing a uh, Messiah on, uh, on a basically a, a documentary that was put out by the new IFB. And they're different. And I didn't realize that. And so it's, it was really nice to talk to Ron and, and kind of get some perspective on the, uh, you know, the IFB. And then we had uh, three ladies fly from Arizona that were part of Worldwide. Which was they also very interesting.
1: Presently are, or they used to be?
0: The impression that I got is that they were part of Worldwide and are still part of some facet of Worldwide. So that was very interesting as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, but everyone, we had a great time. My father spoke on the doctrines of grace, which when. I spoke on the Doctrines of Grace up in Ontario. There were a couple of people that were ready to lynch me. And uh, I don't know. I, th- there was a little bit really? different. Yeah, there was a little bit different response. I don't remember that. You weren't there.
1: I was in Ontario. Oh, a prior Ontario.
0: Yes. I hear, so ta- I hear you. So tell me about your experience at the conference. What 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 do you think? It was just
1: amazing. I mean, I I still feel like I'm not back fully home yet
0: brain still off
1: yeah well it was great experience it was it was a um first i mean there were so many new things first of all there was i have to confess you know flying to one of the hot quote hot spots of the covid was just an unknown I, i had full confidence in god i wasn't worried about it for myself but just i just you know i didn't know what to expect So that's one, one giant unknown. Um, And I hadn't been on an airplane for a long time. And it was weird, you know, flying over there. It's like almost a five hour flight, not even half full. That was weird. Maybe your experience was the same, but so there was that unknown being away, you know, having prepped for a long time and, and being a little nervous about my own presentations was another thing. Having never been to New Jersey before is was yet another thing. But I tell you, from, you know, uh, Dom, who who came and greeted me at the airport, took me to the hotel, and, you know, from there on, the hospitality was just, was stellar.
0: Yeah, it really was, good. It
1: was beyond stellar.
0: You know, we, we, and, we... And that
1: just made it, that made all those uncertainties just kind of wash away away. and then it was just time to like okay we're here and then and then I was blown away with just the joy of fellowship the Beit Brachot team and and all the gazillion little things that they were managing and taking care of to create the space and hold the space for us to do what we were doing right the thrill of seeing Ariel and Devora again which I hadn't you know, I had the joy to see them last spring. So For, the, for those who don't
0: know, Ariel, Ariel and Devorah are part of a, they have their own ministry. It's not connected to Torah Resource. But back in 2002 what, or whatnot, somewhere around in there, Ariel and my father were both starting out two separate, completely separate uh, ministries, separate from each other, not knowing that the other was making a ministry. My father told uh, called his TorahResource.com. Ariel in Israel called his Torah Resources international.com dot or net, or so I forget. Anyway, but so people always think that Torah Resource Inst- Torah Resources International is a offshoot or a branch of Torah Resource. It's not too completely set. But anyway, they live in Israel, right. so every time we get to see them and Ariel, after you know, in 2012, he came on as a uh, as a teacher. An adjunct right. teacher right. at uh, Torah Resource Institute. So now the confusion is is heightened. With all that said, uh, we get to see them not too often, but when we do see them, it's really it's really great, really a blessing. And of course, as uh, as Robin said, the Krzyzewskis, You know, we we have we are very fortunate in we're very blessed in the way that uh, people who ask us to come places how they conduct these things you know when we go to ontario the mcdonalds and and that whole t- their whole team up there just absolutely stellar it's it's interesting because they they run things differently but it's still very very uh, everything's taken care of everything is just very you know everything has its place someone is always there doing you know covering something we don't have to worry about anything and it's the same in new jersey the Kraszewskis and their team is just i mean unbelievable um And I would say second to none, but it's like that in both, you know, in both of those places that we have gone to multiple times um, in two completely different ways. They, uh, you know, both those teams are just unbelievable. And uh, so, and they're not the only ones, you know, uh, there are some really great places that we've gone where the the hospitality is unbelievable. That's true. Yep, that's right. uh, I've put on conferences like that before, and I got to say, I'm not. I am not up to that standard. I wish I was, um, but I've never been able to uh, pull it off like that. Uh, Yeah, the Brachot is the congregation there in Washington, New Jersey. And uh, they are just, it's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. And uh, they got, you know, the the Lord's working really uh, some great things there as well. All right. Well, we don't have a ton to say about the conference except for uh, that it, it was awesome the audio from the conference will be coming out very shortly. Actually, um, I don't think it'll be long before we have the full audio up on TorahResource.com, and you'll be able to hear Rob's lectures. He uh, he did his fi- was it your final lecture went an hour and a half, and uh, it, I don't know how it's going to translate in audio because he looked at different manuscripts on the screen and then talked about those manuscripts. Ariel said it was one of the best lectures he'd heard in in quite some time um and really informative and uh yeah it was it was really good so um, is
1: there video that will be available there's
0: video of that lecture here's the thing is that uh for two of the lectures the teachers were asked to wear masks and so that didn't translate very well right and so then the question is is do we put out the video without those? And or just have those as audio, or do we not care? It, anyway, um, so we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out one way or the other. We we could always publish that one that one's video as well. Okay, let's. Uh, the thing is, is that I don't know if my video actually got your screen, and anyway, we'll talk about it. Okay, um, we do have some things that we can talk about today. It could be a short show. It could be a long show. It all kind of depends what we want to do. First of all, I want to mention this about Torah Resource. We have been offering the entire 52 lectures of Galatians that my father Tim Haig did um, years ago. But he did 52 lectures on the book of Galatians. That currently is being given as a gift to anyone who donates. Um, There's a specific donation link. You can find it on Torah Resource. You can also find it on our Facebook page. If you want that entire thing. Um, I would encourage you, it ends at the end of this, of I think this week, basically as soon as July is over, that ends, that offer ends. So um, go get it if you'd like it. Also, we'd like to uh, thank all of our producers. I have been so busy, I haven't had time to redo our credits. That's why they have not played today. Um, but if you would like to purchase a Messiah Matters Executive Producer credit, you can do so on our website, tourresource.com All right. Um, Somebody says this. This is on a YouTube thing that we, uh, a YouTube clip that we pulled from one of our shows. The clip itself is, is baptism only symbolic? And we are talking about whether or not baptism is a symbolic thing or not. And this person was the person who wrote the question in and said, I don't recall my question being answered at any point. Mm -hmm. Is it purely symbolic or is it necessary to salvation? Okay.
1: It is a commandment but it, it it there must be times where it is um, what do you call it where there are exemptions
0: i don't think it's necessary for salvation just it's a thief like thief on the cross right yeah, exactly I, mean, I don't think it's necessary for salvation just in the same way that it was not necessary for uh, abraham to be circumcised to be saved circumcision was the sign of faith in other words abraham believed and it was reckoned to him as righteousness we're not saved by any work of our own
1: we're not saved by any commandment of any work that we do.
0: Salvation is a gift from God. So is faith. And faith but is what... Sa-
1: but, but commandments, God expects us. God has expectations for his family. Absolutely. Right?
0: But Paul talks about this in Galatians. Abraham believed first it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Circ- circumcision didn't come first. It wasn't that he was circumcised and then it, and then was, it, became, rec- right, it right. was reckoned to him exactly. as righteousness. And it's the same with baptism. Baptism is the same. It is a sign of the covenant that is made, the new covenant written on the heart. Baptism is that sign, but what comes first? Faith. Faith is what saves you, and faith is a gift from God. And so the answer to the question, is baptism only symbolic? Well, I wouldn't say that it's only symbolic in that it's not just a symbol of what's happened. It's a commandment that's given, and it's part of the covenantal obligation. However, it is not the means by which you are saved it has nothing to do with whether or not you it has nothing to do with your salvation in terms of securing your salvation in any way shape or form that doesn't mean that it's only a symbol
1: right the bible doesn't call it a symbol
0: exactly and not so. only that but i mean it's just like there's all sorts of things that you could that you could say that i mean anything in life right is is eating just a symbol well no it seems like eating actually you know i was i was meditating on this text In Deuteronomy, I think it's Deuteronomy 12, where it says if you're too far away to bring your offering to the temple, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to sell it and use the monetary gain to buy whatever your heart wants, strong drink or food, right? But then it says, and you shall eat before the Lord. It says that in the Hebrew, and you shall eat before the Lord. In other words, there's something about that meal that is you and God together. That's not a symbol. That's something that's actually happening. And so the point is, is that, I mean, we could say that that uh, that baptism is a symbol. It is a symbol of many things, but it actually is something here in the temporal world. It is a part of the covenant. So it's not just a symbol. It's part of the covenant, but it is not what saves you. It is not what pe- procures your salvation in the heavenly places. Christ did that before the world began with his death on the cross. Right? Before the world was created, Christ was crucified kind of a mentality. In other words, God lives outside of time and sees it all at once. I think that that's the point. Anything else on that? Uh, Nope. All right. Let's see what the – I haven't even been looking at the chat room. Uh, Message was deleted, deleted, deleted. Somebody deleted a bunch of their stuff. Okay. Okay. Oh, Tor Resource did it. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Uh, and the bouncer is in full force today. <laughs> All right, um, let's move on. Let's see here. Um, I have a audio clip. This is from uh, our comment line, and um, so this is going to be. Uh, yeah, let's just take a listen. Hi, Robin Caleb. I was curious about your hats.
1: I noticed that rob is always wearing a hat and caleb you mostly are shown wearing a hat and i didn't know if that was something traditional or biblical um the reasoning behind it and i was watching show number 244 and caleb you were telling a story about going to a congregation and you were the only one in a hat and uh i didn't know if that was something you typically do at your congregation and would love to hear more that's
0: it Okay, so I th- there's actually a lot to be said here. First of all, Rob wears a hat just because that's why he th- that's part of his clothing, It's part of his outfit, It's part of his uniform.
1: I d- actually I, I didn't wear a hat if you watch the the lectures.
0: That's right. He put he put gel or whatever in his hair. Um. So here's the thing: I wore a, a yarmulke or a kippa <laughs> for I don't know years, and then I took it off for a little while, and then I then I wore it again for like eight more years. So my head was always covered. And, uh, in it's in, it's interesting because within Judaism, and I'm not talking about within like biblical Judaism, I'm talking about like within rabbinic Judaism, within, um, tradition, a man always covers his head. Right. And so does a woman for that matter in most places, but a man always has his head covered. In fact, I think it's the Talmud that says a man shouldn't take more than three steps without his head covered. And this is to remember that God's always above him and all these kind of things. On the flip side, the Christian church has taken a portion of First Corinthians and uh, a man's head being covered. They've taken that to mean an actual covering, and therefore, they don't want uh, a man ever to have a hat on inside uh, you know, a church or anything like that. Um, so it kind of depends what—now, we've talked about <coughs> head coverings in First Corinthians. We don't think that it actually has to do with head coverings. We think it actually has to do with hair, for those who are wondering. Anyway, there's an article on Torah Resource about that. So— for me, growing up in two realms, I grew up in a, in a messianic synagogue, and I grew up in a non-denominational Christian church. The church that I went to didn't care if you wore a hat inside or not. So, the when I would go visit churches, this is a couple years ago when I was still wearing a yarmulke, which I took off two years ago now. I took my yarmulke off two years ago, and I don't believe it'll ever go back on. Um, but the uh, and I, there's reasons for that, and I could talk about those. However. Um, there are people in our office who wear yarmulkes all the time. Right. Um, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, we went to a conference this, this, uh, past week where I don't know what 50% of the men in the, at the conference were wearing keep I think so. So, I mean, and I'm not, th- that's totally fine. Um, so that's more of a personal thing for me. And I could talk more about that, but the um, in terms of the hat, the reason that I used to cover, like put a hat on when I'd go to churches, is because I wore a kippa all the time. I wore yarmulke all the time. And the thing that I didn't want is to walk into a church and have someone instantaneously associate me with unbelievers, and then tr- spend the first part of my visit at a church being evangelized, which is that's great, but that's you know I didn't want that misperception. Right. And so I would wear a hat. And so uh, sometimes when you walk into a church, they want you to uncover your ha- your head, and then the question is, okay, well, do I uncover my head fully or do I t- keep the kippa on? <laughs> and that was kind of the point to the story that I was telling in the uh, in the show that 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 this person was referencing. Um, I don't wear a hat most of the time now. The reason that I wear a hat on this show often is because. I don't do my hair, and or I need a haircut, and uh, so then I'll I'll throw a hat on in the morning. It's just a lot easier. Rob, go. I
1: wear a hat because it's just a habit. <laughs> I feel like I want. I feel like I want something. I don't feel like it's re. I don't have a religious uh, connotation. I just. And my wife's like, you have such a good head of hair.
0: <laughs> I think it's because you used to have a mullet. And now that you don't have that mullet, you feel naked.
1: <laughs> I I feel like I, just, I feel naked when I don't have something, a hat on my head. It feels weird to not have a hat on my head. That's I, I don't have a religious, uh, what do you call it, about it. Um, Inclination, association. Yeah,
0: yeah. We, we've uh, we've gone to conferences. My, I've been to conferences before where, you know, it's obvious that the the different groups that are either hosting or whatnot think that women should have their head heads covered. I don't know if this is from a First Corinthians uh, standpoint or what. I don't find anywhere in Scripture where uh, head covering is required unless you're a priest. In fact, my wife has been turned off by uh, people who. Or groups that feel that women should have their head covered constantly. Because my wife's not going to do that. She's just, that's not. I don't think that my wife even owns a head covering. So I think that that comes from more of a a misunderstanding of 1 Corinthians uh, than anything else. Anyway. Uh, Yeah, okay. So I'm just trying to catch up real quick on some of the chats uh, for those who are watching this or um, wondering later the um, there's a link in the Torah resource uh, like the Torah resource Michael just posted a link uh, in the chat so you can look in the chat and there's a link to the uh, Galatians if you donate you get the Galatians um, anyway by the way I need to go back for just a second I should say I don't care if groups have you know if groups, the women have decided that they're going to cover their heads. If that's what the group wants to do, that's totally fine. Um, yep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's however, when someone comes in, that's not part of the group and, or that's new to the group and the group tries to force man-made restrictions uh, onto a person, then, that then, then that gets a little interesting. Um, so. And, and, you
1: know, a woman has authority over her own head. Right. That's what, that's, uh, I should find that passage. And I'd like, I, who was it that I read? First of all, what verse is that? Where's that chapter? Is that First Corinthians 14?
0: It's 11, 10, I believe. At least that's, so says Michael. Um, if if that's the, if he's responding to what oh. that is.
1: That, which one was it? What did he say?
0: 12 uh what first Corinthians we, we talked, about talk, yeah, talked, talked about yeah we've talked about this, about this about before i actually don't before. this is how this is how unprepared i am for this show i don't even have my bible uh accordance program open on my computer right now okay
1: yeah i, I just restarted my computer because i had shut it yeah down it's first Corinthians, Oh, e- chapter 11 yes yeah.
0: 11 2 through 16
1: um
0: I, you know, it's really interesting trying to come back into the chat room after not be, not looking at it for quite some time because I have no clue what people are talking about. Uh, yeah. Anyway, did you have you have more to say about that? Um. It. it yeah. It. Uh, I
1: think I think we talked about it before It's First Corinthians eleven, and there's a passage that is, you know, it's translated in so many different ways. Right. Um, I'm looking at the ESV. Oh, it's 11 verse 10. And I don't like, I don't like the translation, but the idea was, and I understand this from the lady, there's a lady who wrote a book on this on Paul and women, you know, and and she was wondering, what is this about? And the idea was that woman's hair or being shaven head, you know, in, Corinth had local meaning, you know, and the idea was to communicate to other people shame, like if if a woman had been a prostitute or something, that she was supposed to be marked by her hair somehow. And Paul is defending that, that a woman who comes into the community should not be able to be seen by men or other women and judged by her appearance oh she's she should be shamed because she's you know uh, she's Christ- clearly she's clearly a, a prostitute or something like that and paul's trying to protect new believers right w- when they come in to the to the assembly that and i thought that was the best trend or the best uh just uh, what do you call it explanation
0: Christopher writes. He says, "Are tzitzit the only clothing instruction? No. In the Torah, we have another one, right? Wool and linen are not allowed." Oh yeah, this is a good.
1: We we had this discussion in conference a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I actually take a different view than the people uh, than the discussion. I didn't want to try to you know blast people at the conference like, no, no, it's wrong. But I I believe in uh in the assertion that the that almost every Christian creed uh makes that Scripture interprets Scripture. In other words, if you have something that's that said here, you can almost and it's not really specific. You can almost guarantee that if you go and look somewhere else, it's going to expand on that and give you more details about it. Well, we see this in the Torah. I forget where it is. It's either in Leviticus or Numbers, where it says that you're not allowed to have mixed uh, uh, fibers right in your clothing. And a lot of people who are anti-like anti-keeping Sabbath, anti-keeping kosher, they'll say, "Oh well, I see that you know you're you have like." you know i don't know cotton and you know hemp <laughs> mixed together or something like that you can't do that well if you look in deuteronomy it's it specifies it's not just any fiber mixed together it's uh wool and linen and the reason that you're not supposed to mix I, the reason i think you're not supposed to mix wool and linen is because that's what the priestly garment was made out of and so um I think that uh, I think that it means specifically to try to keep the the priestly garments special and separate from something that would be worn in the common. And uh, yeah, it's actually hard to find wool and linen mixed together today. I've looked. Uh, Christopher also says angels also means leaders. Hmm. I don't know about that. Is that true?
1: Oh, is he? He's probably talking to that First Corinthians passage. 1 Corinthians 11.
0: But I mean, do we have any... Just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of any other place where angel would mean leader. It means messenger. Messenger. I think it could mean... It could mean uh, leader. All right. There you go. We have one more thing to talk about. I said this could be a, a quick show, but this actually could take up all of our time. We have a half an hour left if we want it. This person says, my name is Rob, not your partner in Messiah Matters Show. Rob but a different rub. I've been trying to find an answer to the question of what really is the rapture. Now, we've never talked about this kind of stuff on this show. One of the reasons why is because we are not, um, we're, we're not really eschatological guys. That's never been my focus of study. Now, at the conference, somebody said, you got somebody at Torah Resource needs to write a commentary on Revelation. And their, yeah, their reasoning we, we for this that. was really good.
1: Yeah, it was right on.
0: Yeah. They said, look, if you guys don't do it, then the only thing that's being published is by other people who probably have gotten it wrong. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Anyway, so we have never really talked a lot about eschatological things. And one of the reasons why is because I've never studied Revelation uh, in depth like that. Um, Or, you know, also not a ton of the eschatological prophecies, even in the Tanakh. I haven't really... It hasn't been a focus of mine, Um, so I I tend to stay away from eschatological. You know, my father once said it's the the uh, prophecies, the end time prophecies are not for us to know exactly what's going to happen. It's so that when it is happening, we can look at the Bible and say God is faithful. In other words, we'll get through this because the Bible says we'll get through it. Maybe we personally won't, but. Uh, there will always be a remnant, is the point, point. and any shoe is on his way. That's the that's what you know. It's a comfort. Um, okay, so this person goes on. So to the question of what really is the rapture, and what is it going, and when is it going to happen? Honestly, I hold t- uh, the uh, pre-tribulation view, but I have doubts about it. You should have doubts about it because I don't think it's biblical. Anyway, they go on. I wonder what you, Rob, and your dad's view are. Do you three have the same view on the rapture? That's a good question I don't know if we have the same view I have the same view as my father
1: Yeah well I can share my view I mean I I'm assuming it's we're talking about the passage from first Thessalonians chapter 4 yeah and he basically I pulled it up here I've got it in ESV for this we declare to you by word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive. That means whether Paul was going to be of that group or not who are left will be caught up together. And this, this word caught up is um, is where we get this word rapture with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. My understanding is that like your Calvary Chapel, they see this as, now someone tell me if I'm wrong, because I'm not a Calvary Chapel guy, but they believe that this is the describes the rapture that happens. And then there's great, you know, the, the churches taken out of this world and this is the where the left behind series comes right so for example like all of a sudden people are you know flying in an airplane and all of a sudden there's no pilot because he like <laughs> got raptured and then the plane crashes you know what I right. mean? and stuff like that or right. all of a sudden there's cars on the freeway that don't have anybody driving and they're going 70 miles an hour um and that's that's the i i have no interest in misrepresenting calvary chapel so please if anybody knows yeah, and, and I me.
0: I think that the wait. Well, I to, don't read to,
1: it this. We're just let me finish my. The way yeah, I understand ahead. this, first of all, is there's going to be a resurrection first. It says the the dead in Christ will rise first. Right. So people are going to see resurrection, and then those who who are witnessing the resurrection because they're they're in they they're believers. Well, I imagine there's going to be unbelievers seeing the resurrection too. But those who are believers, it says he will be they will be caught up together. To meet the Lord in the air, and what I understand this to be, is not an escaping from this world, but a reception of the returning King. Yes, yes. And um, NT Wright, I think, has done a great job in de- in describing this. Now, it's been probably ten years since I read his explanation of it, so I don't know if I would track a hundred percent with uh, with NT Wright in terms of eschatology, but on this point i think uh it it makes perfect sense yeah that we this receive
0: is, him and come back down
1: yeah he's descending from heaven he's on his way it says until the coming of the lord this is his return right this is his return to earth and what's he going to do when he returns to earth he's going to rule right judge there's going to be you know judgment the final judgment the separation of believers from unbelievers. And um, now the question of when this is going to happen, this is, you know, I've been reading, uh, just a footnote here, Uh, Oxford University just released this uh, new, uh, volume one of a new series where they go through, they have a top Dead Sea Scroll scholar going through one of the Dead Sea Scrolls with pretty in-depth commentary. Well, this is one is on the the Habakkuk Pesher, Pesher Habakkuk. And it's probably written in the first century BC sometime. Uh, But after, it seems that after Rome had come and put an end to the Maccabean line, to the Hasmonean line, and maybe before King Herod was set up somewhere in there. It's hard to know for sure. But the point is they are going, and it's all in Hebrew and we have surviving fragments of it. It'll have a verse in Hebrew, you know, of, of Habakkuk and then a space and then a commentary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and then a space, and then a verse. And it's just like, it looks like a modern commentary. Right. But what's the, what what sets apart the pesher is that it's applying to their time. They, they believe that Habakkuk is prophesying about the Romans and about their community. In other words, 2,000 years ago, you had people reading an ancient prophecy con- absolutely convinced that it was speaking about them And that they made social decisions. They moved, you know, they were away from the Jerusalem temple. They weren't going to have anything to do with it. They are wicked priests and all this kind of stuff. And ever since then, for the last 2,000 years, we've had, you know, this issue of like, what does the book of Revelation mean? You know, in Martin Luther's day, who was the, the beast? The Pope. Right um now it's they think people are saying it's bill gates or prince charles you know because there's an ascii code in the computer lingo that it adds up to 666 if you put it just right you know what i mean not 616 mind you but 666 um and then of course you have all the the movies like the omen you know the kid with the birthmark that's 666 you know i mean people have gotten mileage out of this for a long time um i was talking to someone the other day they're talking about uh you know, 18, was it 1844? There was supposed to be something in the heavens that happened when you calculate Daniel. And and I just kind of, to wrap up, Caleb, and I'll kick it back over to you. It's just, I think this is why we've refrained is because we're not, we're okay trusting God and the timing. It doesn't mean we don't pay attention to things in the, in the world, but we also recognize that and I think Caleb, I think you brought this up the other day in New Jersey. If we were living in, let's say, we were underground, believing Jews in uh, Nazi Germany, would we think this was the Hitler was the beast? Yeah, of course. Or, or if we were believers in, under uh, Stalin in Russia, and we were true believers, and we were seeing mass slaughter, would we think this is the end of time? And then, and then, given that, as you know why does america think it's so special right in god's eyes like yes yes granted there's a lot of maybe good things in america but woe unto us in america if we don't focus on the things of the kingdom of god one of the things we talked about is we have like 50 english translations of the bible you go to places in china where underground believers might even have little sections of the scripture available to them right. because of, uh, and yet their faith is, is more vibrant. Their miracles, trusting in God and is so much more vibrant than, than people in America who are falling asleep uh, spiritually. So anyway, go yeah, for so,
0: it. Somebody on Twitter the other day said something like, what, like what if America doesn't play a, a role in the end time Narrative of the Bible, or something, you know, like that. Yeah, like, why,
1: are we do are, are we kind of stuck up to think that we have to make Arab, uh, America the center pl- center of or the I U.S. Think, the I, center?
0: I, I think that that comes somewhat from a replacement theology understanding, though.
1: Okay, I've always wondered. I used to listen to. I had a job where I could listen to Michael Medved. So he's Orthodox Jewish, conservative commentator, and he's on like AM radios all over. He has like a three-hour show. He's got like a disagreement day and stuff like that, which it's it's really entertainment. He's super smart. And he was liberal. I think he was a college student with like Hillary Clinton, like back at Yale or something. So he, real smart guy, was very left. And then he had a couple things in his life that transpired and he became a conservative. And so right. he has this story. And so, if you ever listen to Michael Medved, you might enjoy the entertain and the intellectual engagement and and insight.
0: Oh, his history is amazing.
1: One of the things that he always says is at, at the end of his show, or at the end of the hours, is the greatest nation on God's green earth, the greatest nation ever, or something like on God's green earth. And and you hear this kind of thing too. And I'm wondering, I'm like, from one perspective, I agree. I agree. I'm grateful to. You know, I know not all our listeners are American citizens, right? Or U.S. citizens. We got people from all over the world. But, yes, there's a lot of great opportunity in America. However, it is, there's a lot of corruption, right? We know there's a lot of shady stuff that we don't know what happened, just like in any nation. You know, it's like, we, we know someone committed a crime. We don't know exactly what the crime was or what they or who did it. But we just, we just see all the downfall from it. You know, we just see all the ramifications and stuff. But I think of that, I think of someone who's an Orthodox Jew political commentator with this tagline greatest nation on God's green earth um, in the big eschatologically speaking. Is that would, would that be God's uh, judgment assessment of the United States? I I don't think I, I think when you think about abortion or you think about things, um, you know whether it's just simple injustice or outright anti-Godly you know ungodly things that are done in our nation as well as all over the world. You know it. God cares for His elect. You know, and God's going to correct them and bring them up, mature children. But the rest is, is does not have a good future. I mean, I think. And, and it's not around the nation, it's not around the borders of the countries where that, where that happens.
0: I think that uh, it's hard for me to say that a nation is, is great when they slaughter children. And I think that abortion is the slaughter of, of innocent life and children. And so, um, and when when a nation makes uh, their citizens' money go towards that slaughter, oh. I, I find it to be very difficult to say, uh, yeah, we're, we're living in a utopia here. Um, and I just looked up online country, countries where abortion is illegal. I can only find one country and I might not be looking at the map close enough looks like Nicaragua is the only country where abortion is totally illegal. There are places where abortion is uh, uh, illegal, except for in cases of rape and incest. But it looks like Nicaragua might be the only country that I can find on this map where abortion is illegal. Oh, wait, wait. Did I find one? Dominica Republic might be another one. Anyway, um, I think that that, that uh, this shows a downfall of not only society or not only American society but of world society in general when you when people start um, killing the most helpless and defenseless humans on earth. I think that that is a major problem. There's
1: a there's a verse here that I want to share. Proverbs 12:10 Proverbs 12:10 Yodeat nefesh behemato the What this is, Yodeya Nefesh To, That means a tzadik, a righteous person, person knows the the nefesh of his behemah, of his animal. That means, what does that mean? That a righteous person knows the soul of his animal. It means he he take he understands the needs of his animals. Like a good, in other words, a, a, if you have a a guy who's a, you know, he raises cattle or sheep or other animals. It maybe not even, maybe horses or it could be dogs. It doesn't matter. The point is that he, if he's a tzaddik, if he's a righteous, if he's a, if he loves God, he takes care of those animals, right? He's not going to, he, he, he's not going to be cruel to even his animals because he loves God. He's going to take care of them. He's going to make sure they have food and water and pasture, et cetera, et cetera, and room. But the second part of the proverb, 1210, says, rasha'im says, That means, but the mercies, now this is quote unquote, mercies of the wicked is cruel. The compassions of the wicked is actual cruelty. And I see this because what do you do? You go to someone and you make this argument on abortion and they're going to say, oh, you're so cruel. They're going to call you cruel because they want to say, you know, there's just too many human beings on this planet already. And what do you, and this is, this mom doesn't want this baby. What about her rights? Right. They're going to make all sorts of claims or they're going to say it's going, you know, this child is just going to come into a poor situation. is going to have a, a horrible life, you know, or whatever. You know, there's numerous things. Um, and so you and this is the wicked, the compassions of the wicked is cruel. They label it as compassion or mercy. And it's the same thing we've, we've had in in Washington state in the Seattle area. They actually have that. We had more and more homeless people. This happened in Los Angeles and in San Francisco, more and more homeless people come in, or I don't even want to use the word homeless people who come and set up a tent and just start living on the street and they, defecate on right out in public on the street they use needles well what what happens so what did the wicked do the wicked stand under the guise of mercy and compassion and say we'll provide you clean needles so that at least we know that you're not going to get use an old needle and get some other kind of sickness we heaven forbid that happen. Or we'll provide, we'll build a taxpayer expense. We'll build little places where people can come in and do their drugs. And they they think that this is the compassionate path. They think this is the merciful path forward. And what happens? Those cities have just become overrun with populations of, of people who are total transient. They have no respect for law and order. They have no respect for cleanliness. I'll do, I'm going to give one more example and then I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. You can find these online. There's articles where San Francisco during the COVID had all these empty hotels. And so they took all these people who were living on the streets out of fear that they were going to, you know, pass the, the virus, put them in these luxury hotels, basically, and they trashed the place. <laughs> it's trashed there's been violence there's assault theft um sexual assault they they they've trashed the the beds and the yeah and and why well from the from the city's perspective they're being compassionate they're being merciful but all, but it's it, it doesn't solve anything and it's actually cruel. So, again, I, I know I'm waxing a little political there, but yeah. But I hear you, Caleb. What that's that's one of the battles that we have in in, in our nation here.
0: I want to move to a different subject altogether. Helen writes and says, if you have time, what does it mean that the Passover is a sign on your hand and a memorial between your eyes? And how does this play into the last part of the sentence that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth?
1: Yeah, this is beautiful. Yeah, I that's, think I uh, believe that's Exodus 13.
0: Yeah, 39. Right? I think that this is actually a declaration. So many people have heard that me on this show say that I think that the uh, Exodus from Egypt is a... Prophecy of each person's personal salvation story, and uh, I think that this is the clincher. I think that this is the this is the uh, this is the passage that I would go to to really knock that that out of the park. And the reason why is because first of all, in between your eyes and on your hand, I think represents life in general. Your in between your eyes is basically where you feel and think in those kind of things. Your hand is a sign of what you do, how you work in those kind of things. And uh, so basically, your life should be a representation of the exodus from Egypt. And when I say exodus from Egypt, I don't think that Moses is only saying coming out of Egypt. Uh, I mean, I, that might be what he's thinking, but I think that the Lord has implanted more the idea of coming out from underneath the bondage of, of the condemnation, we should say, of the law because of the death of the Messiah on the cross and this is how, it, this is why it says at the end that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. In other words, that we can keep the law now and we are not condemned by the law because of the death of the Messiah. Our exodus from Egypt is complete and this is what classifies us as human beings now. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness. We are no longer slaves to Pharaoh. We're slaves to Adonai. And the Torah of Adonai, in other words, the way that we live, is proclaimed by the way that we live our lives. That's how I've always taken it. I could be wrong, but I don't think
1: so. Oh, I think you're right on. If you go back to, I pulled it up, Exodus 13 verse three, Moses said to the people, remember Mm. this day. And so what is it the remembering of this day that I brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery that the Lord did. And then he commands unleavened bread for seven days to bring you into the the land he swore to your fathers in verse five. What is this? This is Abrahamic covenant, right? You're gonna and and then so the word memorial that we see in verse nine is uh, zikaron. Zikaron is from this. It's zahar. It's memory. Why is it important for? for the children of Israel who bear the name Israel, right? They didn't gain the name Israel in Egypt. They didn't come up with that name for themselves. It's a name that God gave Jacob as, as a sign that not that through his seed, right? Cause it was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Israel, right? That the right. blessings of Abraham would come to him and his descendants and This is all a core uh, um, foundational event, but it's a mark of God's faithfulness.
0: Right. And actually, uh, God is doing this
1: because it's bigger than any one person. It's bigger than any one generation. This is a multi-generational plan that God is, uh, in his wisdom, is timing everything out appropriately yeah Christa-
0: so- Christopher says doesn't the mark of the beast parallel those and Eve actually says now I'm thinking how does the idea relate to the mark of the beast in the forehead and on the hands Yeah I've often wondered if the mark of the beast quote unquote is actually something physical on your head and hand because I th- we know that that uh, the evil one and all of the evil that goes on they the, it parallels they love to mock God's Torah and God's right. commands right. We're commanded that that to love God and to to put this commandment on our head and in our hand, and Judaism has taken that to mean the the tefillin between the eyes and on the hand, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's not uh, you know a, a good way to represent that, but ultimately, what does the head and hand represent? It rep- represents the way that we live our life. So the que- I've always wondered if the mark of the beast is actually going to be something physical that is on our head and our hand, or if it's a mocking of basically that the that uh, God's way of life should should be our way of life. In other words, is it that the those who call themselves believers will succumb to a way of life which is not uh, what the scriptures teach? And we see which
1: would this. Something that is not Torah on your mouth.
0: Yeah, and we see this within the within the church today, right? There's, you know, I was I was kind of. Rolling my eyes and and uh, you know it hurt my soul a bit to see all these pictures of Anglican priests and whatnot with the, you know they wear this scarf around their neck or it's not a scarf I I don't know what they call it anyway it's like a sash that they wear mm-hmm. and for Pride Month they have you know rainbow colored they've made them rainbow colored and it's like man now what?
1: that is a coat that is creating a symbol out of a biblical, like God said, this is a sign, the rainbow. It's a sign of his covenant.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's Noah. a perversion. And what they've,
1: yeah, <laughs> they've taken it. And now no one, everybody sees it. They don't think about God's promise to Noah. Well, they don't it's, think it's, about destruction.
0: Th- think of the mock that that is. <laughs> they think, don't think about God's judgment. And, think think of the mock that that is. In other words, it even says that, that man had become corrupt because, uh, and you know, sex, sexual immorality is is lumped into that. And now God will never destroy the earth the way that He did. And the sign of it is that He's put a rainbow. And now those who are, are have accepted and uh, championed sexual perversion have taken that symbol to basically say, "Ha ha." I mean it is
1: Exactly. And so the the within people saying they're calling themselves the body of Christ are using a worldly symbol to replace that that obfuscates the actual biblical symbol of what the rainbow is to right. But anyway that I, I mean I even so, in Revelation, the rainbows associated with Messiah's glory and, and with the revelation of who God is. Yeah. Wow. My
0: my wife always thinks it's funny when we go on vacation. Like we went on vacation and it was pride month. I don't know. This was last year. And we went into the, you know, into the city, we drove into the city and there's rainbow flags all over the place. And I said, wow, man, these people are really into the no way of covenant. You know, she always rolls her eyes at me. Anyway, I, the, the point, the point is, is that I think that the, uh, the idea that, that the mark of the beast is going to be something physical, like a microchip in our head and hands, or that it's going to be a tattoo that we're all going to have on our head and hand or, or whatever, that I don't know if, I don't know if I actually hold to that view. I think that it could be just as, as much the idea that a, you know, a person if a person is uh, discriminated against for being a Christian, it's just like the Jews in, in uh, Nazi Germany. You know, no Jews allowed. You're not allowed to shop here if you're a Jew. Or, you know, this is a Jewish business. You know, they had signs. This is a Jewish business. Don't shop here kind of a thing. Well, I mean, will it come to that with Christianity, with, with belief in Messiah? These people are Christians. Don't let them shop, you know. So the idea that you won't be able to buy or sell with the mark without the mark of the beast, I think that that could be just as much the fact that if you are an outspoken Christian, who, who, or believer in Yeshua who upholds God's truth, you will be discriminated against. I think it could be that too.
1: Right. Uh, and it has to be differentiated. In other words, if, oh, well, like for here's an example right now with this COVID thing, there's a whole bunch of different religions that have had their gatherings, like either, you know, Cancelled altogether or minimized in some regard or regulated. Okay. So if I'm a Christian, but also Jews and Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus and Sikhs and, you know, Taoists or whatever, <laughs> they if they're all suffering the same thing, then does it make sense that I'm going to say that this is an attack on on the body of Messiah. Right. I would say no. Right. I would say, wait a minute. No, it seems that when God's talking about that, it divides the true church from the not true church. Exactly. It can't be it can't be like, oh yeah. You know, it that's that's just my view. I I, I, there's a lot of unknowns in that for me but my my hunch my it just seems like the overall thing of the scripture is the dividing line with the mark of the beast is believers in messiah right. versus non-believers right that that's the deal um otherwise I could just take you know it could be any group that's, that's suffering
0: you know it, anyway. All right, it's been a fun show. We will be back next week. Uh, For those who are our supporters and our executive producers, keep your eyes on the uh, Messiah Matters More page probably by the end of today. If not, then definitely tomorrow I will have our Messiah Matters show that we did in New Jersey that was not broadcast up in that section, and you'll be able to see it there. If you want to become an executive producer or a supporter of this show, you can do so on our website, tourresource.com Go check out all sorts of stuff there. We got lots of free stuff as well. I uh, It was referred to uh, at the conference as the rabbit hole. Uh, all you have to do is start looking around and, and you'll spend hours. And that's the truth. We got so much stuff on there. Um, all right. Uh, thank you so much to everyone. And we hope that this conversation has glorified our great God and Savior Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? Well, you know, because Messiah matters. (laughs)